Get your horns up. The South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show, presented by Florida Blue, begins now. Let's go! On your 24-7 home for South Florida sports, Bulls Unlimited. Right up the middle into the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida! To get you ready for today's action, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk. Good afternoon from Annapolis. It's the Bulls and Navy on a beautiful day in the state of Maryland. We've had cloudy skies most of the day, but now the sun has broken through. Temperatures are amazing. Upper 60s might get up to 70 today. Little bit of breeze should be a really pleasant afternoon as we find out more about this South Florida football team. The Bulls are 1-0 in the conference after their win against Rice. Navy presents a lot of challenges today. First of all, the midshipmen are coming off a 16-day break, so who knows what they have put into their offense in that amount of time. Navy is no longer the strict triple option offense they used to be. They're starting to throw the ball, starting to open things up a little bit, and from a preparation standpoint for their opponents, that makes things even more difficult than they normally are when you face Navy. The midshipmen are 1-2 and two on the season. This is the fourth meeting between these two teams, and the visiting team has never won. Navy is 2-0 and oh here in Annapolis, and the Bulls won the only matchup played in Tampa. We are set for a 3.30 kickoff today. A lot of good things coming up between now and then, so let's get it started. We'll head to Tampa, Jim Lighthall and Derek Sharp. USF gets ready to take on Navy on the road. It's been a little weird to say that. Three straight home games for them. Oh, and by the way, happy belated birthday to Jim Lauk and Byron Brown, who celebrated birthdays huh. on Friday. Byron turning 19, Lauk turning 29, which is great for him. Um, still still kicking. Love it. Um, as for the Bulls, Derek, this is a team that showed a lot to us the last time out. 42-29 victory against Rice a game that some people said they had to win oh already in game three of the Alex Golish era, but, boy, did they del- de- did they deliver. You can say that again. Actually, I can't. Don't, don't, no, you know, I don't want no, to. No, I, I want you to. No, it, it really was, and you really think back to it, and we'll relive some of the moments here in our pregame show, but uh, it could have gone another way. And even when I did my podcast with Michael Kelly this week, I was – like tiptoeing around it, like this in years past might have gone in a different direction, and he flat out said it. He said, let's face it, when that one str- string yeah. in the game where yeah. it went Fumbled from the Bulls, the one and you, know, right, you all right. know about it, it would have been a loss. Yeah. And so I think that's no small thing. And the way the Bulls responded, and, of course, everyone reads the headlines in the national uh, love for Byron Brown, one of the national quarterbacks of the week, and he just assumed it was a route. No, it could have gone in a different yeah. direction, and I think it was big that it didn't. So now the Bulls have to do it on the road, which is something they haven't done in a long time. They've lost 19 straight away from home. They've lost 13 straight in the American away from home. If you want to exercise some demons, you got to go on the road and win a game. Well, you put it that way, and it has been a long time, hasn't it? I mean, I thought it had been a long time since we've been here in our Emily <laughs> Studios. Uh, this is, let me see if I can remember. 
Was Do you it, know was which it, game was it was? It, was it East Carolina? East Carolina. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a game where, you know, yeah. had Quentin Flowers. 1976. Right. <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it was not that long ago. Uh, they've never won it at Annapolis, but they've played there a couple of times. And believe me, I think this team, from what I've been able to uh, listen in on, is, is ready for that challenge for sure. It, it looks good to see the Bulls on top of the American Conference standings. Of course, they're sharing that spot, but it has been a while. The Bulls sitting on top. This Navy team, as Jim said, is throwing the ball a little more. They come into this game with back-to-back 100-yard passing games, Derek, which is unheard of for Navy or really for Air Force or Army's throwing it a little bit more too. But this Navy team, although the Bulls have never won in Annapolis, the last three seasons at home, they're 4-12. and right. The previous 17 seasons, they were 73-20. and So you can get them in their building, and if you're going to get them, this is the year to do it. It's why Ken Nimatololo is not the head coach anymore, frankly. They they lost that edge. Now, there was no love loss because, you know, his brother's still on the staff right. and the defensive coordinator is now the head coach, and their defense really just had one poor game. But this is a team that is certainly difficult to – is not going to be an easy task for the Bulls. I mean, they were right there with Memphis as recently as their last game, which was, what, a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> The way their schedule is built out, the Bulls are going to have to face uh, an unpredictable team right now. Speaking of their schedule, they're playing the longest regular season schedule of any team in the country. I think they started on August 26th against Notre Dame, and they play all the way to December 9th in the in the Army-Navy game. And there's a lot of talk about Army coming into the league, and if that happens, then that game would be after the American Conference Championship game. So they're going to have to figure that <laughs> out as well, which is a little yeah, bit weird. Yeah, if Army and yeah. Navy play for the title, I think <laughs> they might move it up a week. <laughs> but, yeah, there's that to look down the line, too. All right, we will kick that. Things off at 3.30 this afternoon in Annapolis. Of course, you can keep up with South Florida Athletics with our 24-7 audio web stream called Bulls Unlimited. You can listen on the TuneIn app to catch Bulls Beat with Derek Sharp Monday morning starting at 7 a.m. A lot to get to over the next 90 minutes. When we come back, Joey Johnston joins us for a first time. He'll take us back to this date in USF football history. This is the pregame show on Bulls Unlimited. Welcome back to our network studios inside Amelie Arena in Tampa. Jim Lighthall, Derek Sharp with you this afternoon. Kickoff set for 3.30 between South Florida and the midshipmen of Navy. We're going to get you back up to Annapolis now and check in with Joey Johnston, who will be on the sidelines for this game today. He'll be working with Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington, as always. Good to talk to you again, Joey. And uh, I guess, first of all, give us what the atmosphere is like there. What a magical place to play a football game, right? Yeah, it really is. You know, you go to a lot of stadiums around the country and, and they have their rings of honor with their uh, great players and coaches. Uh, you know, at, at Raymond James, of course, you have Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, et cetera, et cetera. Here they have a ring of honor too, but if you look up, what you see is Pearl Harbor, the Aleutians, Midway, Guadalcanal. I mean, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. The Cuban Missile Crisis, Mekong Delta. Uh, this is a little bigger than football, what they do here at the U.S. Naval Academy. So they salute all the great battles uh, in our country's uh, past. And there's there's remembrances of that all around the stadium, uh, letting you know that they do a little bit more here than, than play sports. Fitting place for Byron Brown to walk into with a lot of awards and honors from this past week. I mean, they were just raining down on him after his performance against Rice. Uh, you know, of, of the yards he has this season, Joey, I was looking at who's averaging more in total yardage this season. There's three or four guys ahead of him, but he is by far the youngest out of that bunch. So when you start looking at Byron Brown, the future looks very, very bright at the quarterback position. It's, it certainly does. Uh, he's got a lot of great football ahead of him. He's just starting out. And not only the, with the player that he is, but the attitude that he brings to the field and the kind of person he is. 
USF's got a very, very special kid behind center, and we look forward to enjoying all that he's going to bring uh, to this program. Of course, um, he is uh, he grew up in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, which isn't too far from here. His father is from Washington, D.C., uh, Andrew Brown, and uh, I'm told that there will be more than 100 Byron Brown fans from the D.C. area here. They're tailgating somewhere, and we'll see them in the stadium, and I believe many of them will be wearing the green number 17 jerseys. Byron's going to have to have a good game because anytime you play Navy, you must outplay them. They do not hurt themselves. They don't take a lot of penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They keep the ball on the ground. They play it close to the vest. You have to go in there and beat them. Yeah, for the mo- you're right, Jim. For the most part, uh, when you beat Navy, you, you do well in the fundamentals. You don't make mistakes. You control the game. And that's a, that's a tough thing to do against Navy, who generally controls the, the clock and, and the ball. So USF is going to have to match that and surpass it to win this game. Joey, when we start talking about the last week in September, sometimes that can be a non-conference game. Sometimes it can be a conference game like it is this week. What do you got for us as we take a look back at this date in USF football history? Well, this is USF Game 5, so we're going back to a Game 5 in the past. I believe it might be the most significant Game 5 in the history of the program. We go back to 2015 when the Bulls were 1-3 and three and playing Syracuse at home. Raymond James Stadium, Willie Taggart comes in with a 7-21 and 21 career record at USF. Things were not looking good, but on this day, everything changed. The Bulls win 45-24 to 24 against the Orange with an offensive showcase, Marlon Mack rushes for 184 yards and the the play of plays that everyone remembers the double reverse flea flicker where Quentin Flowers hands it to Mack he pitches it back to Rodney Adams who flicks it over to Quentin Flowers who throws a 42 yard pass for a score to Raisheen Bronson and that game started the Bulls on a seven out of eight streak to finish the season and put them in the Miami Beach Bowl so that certainly is one of the most significant wins and games in the history of this program. No doubt about it, Joey. Willie turned them loose, finally. Turned Q loose, turned everybody loose, and the rest was history after that. Joey, thank you. We'll check back with you a little bit later on in the course of the pregame show for South Florida and Navy. Around the horns, time with Derek. Man, some pretty good music in the background. I might want to add for our indie rock fans. I know that men at work were starting up there, but a little wet leg in the background. So nice job, uh, DJ, up there. Speaking of DJs, let's go back to the last couple of days around the horns and what's going on at South Florida Sports. It was a battle for first place on Thursday night and actually on Friday night. Uh, women's soccer didn't do so well in its battle for first place in the East Division, losing at home to East Carolina 2 to nothing. Pirates really kind of outplayed them in the first half and got a late goal and then Played pretty well in the second half. Bulls' effort stood up, but down 2 nothing. still. They are right there near the top of the division and 500 overall. The reason I say, uh, speaking of DJ and, and the women's soccer game, the bus driver, I don't know if you ever had this happen, the bus driver gets pretty excited. Like they, on the road, you go on the road with the men's basketball, the bus driver thinks they're part of the team. So this lady was you know, like in USF fans' face whenever East Carolina was doing anything. And at the end of the game, when the alma mater was playing, you know, the Bulls alma yeah. mater, she's like, hey, no, 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 celebrate music, celebrate music, this is slow. And I said, do I look like a DJ? Live on the air. By the way, if you ever see me doing a broadcast, I'm not in charge of the music. Now, last night, a lot happier sounds for the volleyball team, which indeed won its battle for first place in the East Division with UAB. And the Bulls now 3-1 and one in the conference and three games above 500 overall. 
fantastic showing by Buse Huzan. You talk about after the game stuff. She is from Turkey. She's been the Bulls' leader all year. She had a delegation of about two dozen people from Turkey that were there to greet her after the game. It was really a really cool sight. And the Bulls win it 25-20, 25-21, 25-19. We had the match live for you on Bulls Unlimited. Right now, they are playing again, and UAB leads in the first set 11-7. We'll give you an update on that at our halftime and if the Bulls win they will exit the weekend no worse than tied with East Carolina for first in the division men's soccer played last night and boy you talk about a brutal schedule the Bulls are now two and six they played a bunch of ranked teams to begin with like Washington like Clemson like Indiana and now they played two matches in conference against really top level competition and lost them both two to one last night down in Miami to FIU which was merely the team that won the conference last year so it's a tough start for the squad but they'll be back at it next week against yet another good team in Tulsa. Also, the basketball squad started their practice this week. I got a chance to watch uh, the men's basketball team of Amir Abdurrahim practice for the first time on Thursday. We'll give you more coverage of that on Bulls Unlimited. I tell you, very defensive-oriented team, very guard-oriented team, and he is not messing around. He had those guys running a lot on that first practice day. As far as the women of Jose Fernandez, got to check them out on Wednesday. A lot of newcomers, a lot of guards, and they are going to be really, really good. And We'll cover all of that for you on Bulls Unlimited, where you can catch the first half hour of the show. Coming up, we'll actually wrap it up with 3-in-1. We'll do Heard That, some of the best sound bites from the week. Oh, the birthday boy, Byron Brown, joins Joy Johnston. Then we'll end the half hour with Get Crazy. Stay tuned. This is the pregame show on Bulls Unlimited. Derek Sharp back here on Bulls Unlimited. We'll go back up to Annapolis in about five minutes from now. You're going to hear from the birthday boy in a couple minutes. This is our famous, not as famous as Get Crazy, but heard that, some of the great sound bites from the week. And we actually played in real time that drive that was kind of a key moment, the start of the second half when the Bulls, in a minute and six seconds, scored a touchdown. And actually, real time, it was 70 seconds. If you were curious, and a lot of people were, this is how it sounded in rice time. Byron Brown throws him on. He's got Simmons. Beautiful throw by Byron Brown. He hits Simmons in stride way downfield. That's a 51-yard play. Oh, what a throw by Brown. He's going to throw again. Forced out of the pocket. Rolling to the left. Going to keep it now. 20, 15, 10, and down to the 5. Boy, all of a sudden, the Bulls have a first and goal. It's taking them 30 seconds. Bulls ready to go again. Hand off up the middle. It's Naquan Wright, and he's going to one. Bulls race it back to the line of scrimmage. They're ready to go again. Here's Brown keeping, and he will jump into the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida. My goodness. Heard that. Actually, I barely heard that. Now, a lot of people were asking, with all the Naeem Simmons highlights and the offense, there was one thing that was said about a defensive player by Sam Barrington that they just wanted another chance to listen back to and be sure it's what was actually said. Back to the seven-yard line. That was immediate negative feedback from Tramel Logan. <laughs> well, I need to know what this guy ate for breakfast because it's very obvious that he didn't have a soft piece of toast, right? He might have ate nails and gasoline for all I'm concerned because he is laying the wood today. Tell you what, you throw some oregano on some nails and it is delicious. A couple things that were said after the game that I wanted to follow up with the head coach on our weekly show that surely you know about and set your alarm clock to 7 a.m. every Thursday on Bulls Unlimited to listen to. And that is Bullseye, an hour with not just Alex Golish, but a player, in this case, Sean Atkins, had some pretty cool things to say, and a non-football guest. This week, it was Billy Mole, who was living it up in New Orleans this weekend, being inducted into the Tulane Athletics Hall of Fame. Of course, Billy Mole, the Bulls baseball coach, and Sam Barrington catches up with an alum. It was a very receiver-centric show because Andre Davis, the all-time receiver, was the guest. But in the case of Coach Golish, one, the Bulls' secret to success to having things explode in the second half apparently was a change to more 12 personnel, freeing up just two receivers on the flanks to go one-on-one, -on -one, 
As we know that worked out, you're going to hear what Joel Gordon had to say about it when he chats with me in less than 20 minutes from now, actually, on our network pregame show. But it was apparently the quarterback's idea. So how'd that work? I put a lot of pressure on Byram uh, saying what I said after the game. But <laughs> but it was Byram that's like, man, coach, like we, we had a heavier personnel plan going into the game. I'd actually told Byram we were going to probably use the third possession of the game, and we didn't. So... He said, man, like, w- would that kind of give us a chance to, to do some different things? I said, sure, let's try it. And when the quarterback says it, you know that he believes in it. So anytime I told him, you got any more ideas, come come at me. <laughs> and we got to give Naeem Simmons just a little more love and to do it. And again, he was a guest on our show, Bullseye, Sean Atkins, who let us know first off that he almost quit football when he was a youth. But his grandfather, who played football at the University of Kentucky, made him keep at it, thankfully. Hopefully you heard that. It was awesome. But... Yeah, he loves him some Naeem Simmons. It was just unbelievable to watch him, you know, flourish in front of the home uh, fans and stuff. Uh, you know, I see how hard he works day in and day out. And, you know, that's my guy. You know, we're, it, a lot of the coaches are hard on him, but he takes the criticism very well and uh, it proved last game for sure. That audio on Bullseye, if you want to actually see it, it's on the football team's YouTube page and you can hear it first thing every Thursday morning. We repeat it each hour, 7 to 10 on Bulls Unlimited. Oh, speaking of the quarterback, Byron Brown turned 19 yesterday, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate than talking to our own Joy Johnston. By the way, Joy will join us in just three minutes with Sam Barrington live from the stadium for some get crazy action, but here's JJ and BB. You just turned 19 on Friday. What's it like, uh, Byron, to have a birthday in your last year as a teenage year, and do you, do you harp on things like that? I mean, it's, it's, it's actually funny because I'm going back to Navy and I have a lot of family up there in DC, Maryland, Virginia. So uh, going back home and they're, they're coming to the game. So it's going to be going to be a lot of fun turning 19 and seeing them afterwards. So that's going to be a lot of fun. People always talk about the age of somebody when a young player is productive, like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. This guy's so young. How, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're, you're ahead of where you should be? Or do, do you even think about your age that you're a younger guy? I mean, it's definitely in the back of my mind. However, I mean, no one cares, and so that's that's the mindset that I take to it, and I, I just want to be the best I can for this team, and that's what I do it each and every day. When you talk to your teammates who were here last year, they say even when you were way down the depth chart, you weren't playing, you were still preparing, watching film, uh, hanging on with, with, with Gary Bohan and all you could, learning. How do you feel like that sets you up for what you're doing now, just all the work you put in when nobody really even knew who you were? It definitely set me up because, I mean, just having that type of work ethic as a incoming freshman and even not playing, it just sets you up for when uh, you are playing. And that's that's what I felt like it did last year, and that's, that's what it's doing this year as well. And I'm continuing to do those exact same things because uh, once you slack on one, then everything else starts to slack in your play, and I don't want that to happen because I want to hopefully be put this team back on the map and uh, do, do it with my all my brothers. So can't can't wait. And now that you're entrenched as the starter, you're, you're the obvious leader, uh, coach wants you to be a little more vocal and be a little more of an outward leader. How is that going? Does it, does it go against your nature or are you comfortable kind of being the guy that's speaking up and being the one to, to talk? Uh, it doesn't go against my nature, uh, but I, I, nor- I generally uh, start out as a let my work do the talking, then progress into that leadership role. It's just a uh, vocal leadership role, and I just ha- got to do that now and not just wait 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 it off and uh, that's what I'm doing I'm getting more and more comfortable in it and can't can't wait to uh, keep continue to improve 
you had a lot of success last week, you know, that at home, just throwing the ball all over the yard. Now you're trying to win two in a row. What's what's the key to kind of you know enjoying what you did last week, but moving on and moving on to the next task? Yeah, we enjoyed it for that 24 hours, and then the next day it was on to Navy. Um, so we're just gonna take it one day at a time, one practice at a time, and then on game day, one play at a time, and we'll, we'll be ready, and we we can't wait. What is your birthday wish for 19? My birthday wish, let's get that win at Navy. (laughs) All right, thanks a lot. That's quarterback Byron Brown of USF. Thanks a lot. All right, that's Joey Johnston with the QB himself. And uh, I guess we can dive right in to get crazy. This this half-hour pregame. (laughs) I know it kind of creeps up on you. It's not a fullback dive in. Let's just get right into it, right? (laughs) Let's uh, let's bring Joey and Sam back in from Annapolis if we can, and we'll go through our Get Crazy. Joey continues to be the only contestant on the pregame that has a correct prediction, which was way back in week one. Um, We haven't forgotten about it, Joey, but it still gets you honors on the first tee. (laughs) It does, and and being a front runner, I'm going to maybe go for the more degree of difficulty. Uh, here, uh, as we know, Byron Brown celebrated his 19th birthday yesterday. I, my first thought was, hey, Byron's going to be responsible for 19 touchdowns today. I added that, that up quickly, figured that wasn't realistic. So I'm going to say that Byron Brown will produce a 19-yard touchdown of some sort, ah. either running it in or throwing. And I would like to petition the committee right now that if I get that on the money, I want two points for that. Uh, you'll get your one point like normal. Yeah, that's uh, a good that's a petition, we'll petition has been washed away real quick. <laughs> that was a uh, I just want to be heard. I just want to know that I've been heard. Yeah. Uh, just no. for the record, Joey, his next touchdown will be his 19th touchdown what? with USF. Yeah. Well, that well there you go. Yeah. That's, so that, that's, you know, that's some type of sorcery. <laughs> uh, n- numerology. Sorcery, the first actual good vocabulary word used on our pregame show by, of course, Sam Barrington, Mr. Gasoline and Nails for Breakfast. Sam, uh, what you got for us today? Well, I mean, I, w- I want to make a comment about your suggestion for my breakfast that uh, Tramiel Logan had. Who puts oregano on anything in the morning? Mm. I mean, maybe somebody puts oregano on eggs, but I haven't met that person. Um, but either way, I'm not a cook, so I can only talk about what I think is going to happen today, and I think I'm going to keep it in the direction of Byron Brown. I think he has another game of all-purpose yards over 500. Wow. But Whoa, at this lot. pace with the trajectory that this guy has, I don't necessarily uh, consider that as something where it's like get crazy, but, you know, we don't have another name for this segment, so I'll just call it that. Wow. Get outlandish. Yeah. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm going to say that, of course, Navy triple option now. The, uh, actually, seriously, the fullback handoff does not count. The actual pitch, the option. Yeah. The Bulls will have the same amount or more touchdowns on pitch plays today. How about that? Because okay. they've run it a few All times. Right. All right. I mean, I think if they both have zero, that still counts. Same or more. Same or more. Okay. i got to write all this down because we'll have to, we'll have to check it confusing. later. It's a little confusing. Uh, <laughs> the point is Navy pitches the ball all the time, and we don't. And I'm saying we're going to equal them or be better. So, boom, that's, that's not too crazy. All right. I'm going to piggyback on yours, and I'm going to say Navy, who's averaging 223 yards a game, is going to get held under 160 on the ground. I think the Bulls will hold them 70 yard, more than 70 yards less than what they've been doing throughout the course of the season. Those are Get Crazy. We'll recap those coming up a little bit later on. We'll take time out. We still have another hour pregame to get to. Network joins us as well. It's USF and Navy from Annapolis coming up. This is the pregame show on Bulls Unlimited. It had been a long time, a win over an FBS program. 
Made even sweeter since it was the conference opener. Byron Brown throws it long. He's got Simmons. Beautiful throw. Here's Brown keeping, and he will jump into the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida. My goodness. Looking long downfield. He's got Confrey Brown. Makes a one-handed catch. Brown hitting his man wide open. It's Naeem Simmons, and he will score. You've seen this Bruins since game one. Throws it long. He wants Simmons. He's got it. Simmons is down to the 10-yard line. That's a new South Florida record. After the Bulls finished off the Rice Owls, there was some time to enjoy it, but not much because waiting in the wings, the Navy midshipmen. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with this Navy team is that they're uber disciplined, as you would assume they would be. Really tough, really hard-nosed, all 11 being locked in at the same time is really, really important. It'll be a well-rested opponent. Navy hasn't played for 16 days. Although they are not the complete and total triple option attack they used to be, Navy still has a unique offense, one that defensive coordinator Todd Orlando needed some time to prepare for. A traditional uh, triple, and then they'll do uh, different formations. They're not afraid to throw the football either. It's very, very unique. They're running backs especially. It's been a while since I've seen guys uh, you know, run as violently as they do, so it's going to be a challenge. And not likely to make many mistakes. But the potential payoff for South Florida is huge. 2-0 in the conference a few hours from now would sound pretty good. An opportunity is there for the Bulls. Can they claim it once again today? The Bulls and Navy from Annapolis is next. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show. Presented by Florida Blue. Rolling to the right. Keeps it, runs it. He's got the first down and more. Breaks the tackle. He's going all the way. Touchdown, South Florida. We're 60 minutes from kickoff. To get you ready for today's action, you'll hear from former Bulls linebacker Sam Barrington, Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly, Offensive and Defensive Coordinators Joel Gordon and Todd Orlando. We'll tell you how the Bulls can make victory possible with USF Health. And, of course, get the final pregame thoughts from head coach Alex Golish. Back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Bulls take the lead. To kick things off, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk on 102.5 The Bulls. Good afternoon from Annapolis. Can the Bulls go 2-0 in conference play? That's what a win would mean today as they face the Navy midshipmen. Navy is in the midst of one of the strangest schedules in the country. They've already had two bye weeks. They haven't played in more than two weeks, so they should be ready to go against the Bulls today. Sam Barrington joins us. Sam, that win over Rice has really created a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around this South Florida program. Now can they sustain it? And this is a challenge, not only being on the road, but going up against a very unique offense. You know, this team is very unique. They're definitely doing some things now that are pretty different from the way they've done things in the past. I think this is also a team that screams discipline when you take a look at them on tape. 
historically they're one of the more disciplined teams in the country so I think this is an opportunity for USF to check themselves not only on sustaining the offensive success they had sustaining some of the play the defense has made um, it, it's especially over the last two games and making sure they can come out and play assignment football but I think it's again it's one of those games that checks USF in many different fashions and if they can get it done it'll be a really good win for them to roll on to and continue to have a strong record here in the conference. Bulls trying to get those penalty numbers down. Navy is one of the least penalized teams in college football. Only three whistles per game on the midshipmen. We've got a beautiful day in Annapolis. The clouds have burned off. We've got bright sunshine. Temperatures upper 60s, low 70s. No rain in the forecast. Should be a great afternoon for this battle in the American Athletic Conference. 60 minutes away from kick off and we've got a lot to keep you entertained between now and then we'll head to tampa jim lighthall and Derek sharp after this break on the south florida bulls radio network welcome back to our second hour of pregame coverage we're talking about south florida and navy fourth meeting all time bulls have never won in annapolis boy it's kind of shocking that we have not played these guys since 2019 kind of quirk in the schedule there um of course, I had a fantastic meeting at Raymond James Stadium the year that Navy came in unbeaten, and the, the Bulls jumped them 28 nothing, then held on, held them off at the end for a really fun game. This one today is going to have a different feel, Derek, for a multitude of reasons. We'll go through the offenses, the defenses, some intangibles. But one of the things is the different styles. And, and, and we talked about <laughs> this last week with Rice, how Rice liked to slow things down, but yet they threw the ball. Navy likes to slow things down, but yet they want to run the ball. Completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as uh, plays per game. Bulls at or near the very top, Navy on the other side. And if you do think that they're uh, this plotting team, they actually kind of use the pass game to get ahead of Memphis in their most last time out. And if you know that final score was Memphis 28-24, Navy had the ball and a 14-7 lead, and they were moving it. And they went for it on fourth down with about a minute to go in the half at midfield. Didn't get it. Memphis tied it. Then they tried an onside kick to start the second half. So they kind of went from being up seven, trying to go up two scores to being down seven and trying to catch up. But that's their one close game. I mean, they dominated a FCS team, and they got blown out by Notre Dame way back, what, two months ago. Yeah. So most recent performance 16 days ago was pretty impressive. Well, to your point, they had a 58-yard pass in that Memphis game. They had a 75-yard run. They can be explosive. Uh, they're still running the triple option as they've done for so many years, but now they'll run it under center. Now they'll run it out of the shotgun. They don't really have the traditional big fullbacks anymore. Their fullbacks are slot guys that they've kind of moved inside to run between the tackles, which is different than what Navy's done in years past. But their two leading rushers are still considered fullbacks. And the other thing to keep in mind in that game, Ty Lavatai, because he's the starting quarterback, they went three and out. After that stretch I told you about, they kind of went downhill three and out three times in a row, and they actually subbed him out for, for in effect, freshmen. They don't play as, yeah. as freshmen usually at Navy. So uh, quarterback is going to be looking to prove things. So they've got a little motivation. they got a little extra time to prepare, and you're right. They're a little bit more dynamic. They do not want to get into a shootout with South Florida today, though. Byron Brown, of course, the American Conference Offensive Player of the Week, 517 total yards against Rice. That's the best performance in the country this uh, so far this season. 12 explosive plays. We're talking about 15 yards or more. That's the most the Bulls have had in a game mm. since 2017. So that means Navy's going to have to try and shut them down. Well, if the Bulls throw the ball, Navy doesn't get to the quarterback. They only have three sacks all season, and they're in the, the bottom 
10 in the country in tackles for loss. They don't get much penetration, Derek. Funny you say that because did you guys know that Alabama has a lot to do with this, by the way. The Bulls are last in the country as far as surrendering tackles for loss. Now, you don't think about it uh, when you get sacked five times, as you did last week, and you have a couple guys get tripped up running the ball one yard back when you put up 550 yards of offense. We so, tend to forget about that. Stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. so the Bulls should be uh, ahead of the sticks a lot in this game because of those two factors. The USF defense is now fifth in the country in tackles for loss. They have 36 of them, 31 coming in the last three games. And, of course, Daquan Evans is number one in the nation with nine. Uh, he is a concern for the Navy defense. Their coaching staff was talking about him this week. They weren't referring to him by name. It was just zero is a problem. <laughs> and that secondary, it is really going to be interesting because he has become known not just for his coverage ability, which I think has always been great, but for getting to the quarterback. And the balls, obviously, even though Navy can throw the ball, those defensive backs are going to be part more of the running game. And I think that's a good guy to have as part of that leading the attack. A couple more things to think about in our Florida Lottery game outlook. USF runs 84 plays a game. That's top five in the country. Yeah, Navy, go. 64. You know, that's a bottom 20 in the country. How about this? Navy in the last two seasons, this is a quirky thing that we kind of got into last week with Rice. It was a similar feel. They're 5-1 and one when stopping the <laughs> opponent on their opening drive. They're 0-9 oh when they don't in the last two seasons. So, this game's going to be decided on the opening drive. <laughs> There's no that some stats don't jump out at me. <laughs> now I'm very nervous about the first drive. All right, we're going to hear from the offensive coordinator Joel Gordon, who sat down with Derek right now. Coach, before the game last week, I asked Coach, actually off the, the bus, do you think the offense could break out? And he kind of gave me that look, like I knew he thought yes. And then going off the field at halftime, he almost had that similar gleam in his voice, even though it wasn't going perfectly at that time. That. He knew something big was coming. Did you guys feel it? And finally, it happened. Sure, we've been we've been seeing it every week and haven't capitalized on a lot of those opportunities. Our guys, you got to give the credit to them. They started the game, had some drives that ended in field goals, where we kind of followed the mode of what we have done. Honestly, in three games, we we've moved the ball, moved the ball, moved the ball find a way to make it hard on ourselves in the red zone and not finish with a touchdown. We did that twice. And our guys came out in the second half, and they played like they were inspired, and they made plays for two quarters. So that was really awesome to watch. But, yeah, it was just a matter of time for the right play to happen at the right time to get the spark of confidence to get them going. And then they kind of they, they played different in those last two quarters than we have yet this year. Got to ask you a couple things that we've heard Coach Golish mention. And first of all, at halftime, it sounds like maybe Byron might have, I don't know if there's a suggestion time, like yeah. any ideas, guys, but might have said let's let's change up the personnel and, and, and isolate those guys. Yeah, he, he, had a great, uh, he had a great idea at halftime, and we went right to it in the second half. And, you know, that generally is the case when you're a player and you're convicted about a certain play or one thing or another and you believe it's going to work, you find a way to make it work. And it got us a big play on the very first play of the third quarter, and then he was on fire, you know, for the rest of the way. <laughs> and no small thing, it was the very first play. I'm sure you guys were eager to see how it would work out. And then i got to get your viewpoint on Naeem Simmons because we, we've, we've seen that the, the talent is clearly there sure. even before the game started. How important was it to have that kind of uh, big play you're just talking about and then it's sort of unlocked from there? It's everything. It's everything, you know. It's confidence. 
like, like I said, we have been, I've come in here for three weeks and mm-hmm. talked to our team, talked to the media about we've left opportunities on the field against every team that we've played and haven't finished. And for it to finally click for Naeem, man, what you've seen in practice is a different person in practice you know and he's been a good practice player since the time he's been here but that that confidence that grew and grew in the second half against rice has grown into the next week which it's got to grow to everybody now whoever it is when that opportunity comes your way in this offense you have to be ready and go make a play but everybody everybody's got to be ready at all times the ball can go anywhere on the field at all at all times so that's the beauty of this thing and the more guys that we get playing confident and aggressive and hungry to go make those plays, man, the sky's the limit for this group. We're just absolutely picking off what you just said on a couple of occasions when the opportunity comes, being hungry. Part of that is when you get your chance. A guy like Kwan Powell, everyone's talking about the, the throwing in the game, but that was a big, big moment. It was second and 19, and that wasn't the play necessarily. It was the, a lot of individual effort. Sure. How, how has he been leading up to that point? He's been awesome. He's been... That was no surprise to anybody, you know, inside our walls that he was going to be ready for the opportunity. He was really, really consistent all through fall camp. And whether you heard his name a bunch through the first, you know, three weeks of the season, he is on the field because he earned the opportunity to get those reps. And exactly what you said, man, he got the ball in his belly and, man, he made a play and he turned it in at six. So really excited for K1. And, man, you can see – the confidence with him and, and just bleeding over into that whole group. But he, he was prepared for the moment, and he took advantage of it. be silly if I don't ask you something about Byram here. Uh, and what I want to ask specifically is after what he did and getting all the accolades and all the numbers, you know, you might think he might run around here with his nose up high, but that's not him, is it? He's ready to go back to work. No, that's that's Byron Brown. He, he's not changing. That's one of – he's got a lot of great qualities, but – the consistency that he lives with and who he is and what he values as being important. He values being a good person, being a great teammate. So he's not going to change. That's awesome for our football program that our quarterback has an opportunity to, number one, just be that kind of leader on and off the field, but also be a really good player on the field. And that's, man, you, you want your best players to be your best leader. So it's a great combination, and now he's got to do a great job of bringing, bringing people with him. He's been awesome. And then last thing, it happened last week, I hope it happens today, against a team that likes to control the clock, obviously. It didn't change your approach. You still went tempo. You weren't worried about time of possession. But at the end of the game, I was wondering, are they going to slow it down some? Which you did. did. So, so when does that decision get made at about what time in the game? Yeah, you get to a point where, man, you realize the game is out of reach for the opponent and then it turns into man just being smart you know if you can do do enough to keep getting first downs and then milk the clock and end the game that way that's how you want to do it you know slow it down and 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 really make the defense feel like they don't have an answer and that's a to be on offense in those situations and to execute that to perfection like we did was man it was big it was really big for our guys Let's hope for a nice, slow fourth quarter today. Actually, a fast fourth quarter, if you know what I mean. Thanks a lot, Coach. Absolutely. Thank you.
Always appreciate the time that Joel Gordon spends with us here on the pregame show. A man who, well, the Naval Academy is very close to the heart of is our own Michael Kelly, who joins Jim Lauk from Annapolis when we come back on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. It has turned into a beautiful afternoon in Annapolis. The Bulls and Navy, our official kick time is 3.32 this afternoon. Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly joins us from the field. Michael, this is the third time the Bulls have made this journey to Annapolis, and it's always very special. I know it is for you because your family has a a history of service to the Navy. What does the opportunity to come here for a football game mean to you? Well, for me personally, it's always been very special. My introduction to college football as a a whole and any college campus was was here. My father uh, attended the Naval Academy, graduated in 67, did his years of service. And in in fact, half of his service time was here at the Academy. We were stationed here when I was a young boy. So uh, it's always very special. And and, uh, but I'm excited to see the kind of crowd we always have when we come here, but just left the tailgate where we had over 300 uh, uh, Bulls supporters that were there. They love the trip up here to kind of that you sense the pageantry, the tradition, and the history that you can get in very few places like you can here at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. So it's very, very exciting. You know, Michael, the perception about this South Florida team with the hiring of Alex Golish and some of the other things going on, the the perception, I think, was that progress was being made, that things were going in the right direction. But sooner or later, you got to validate that, and you got to do it with wins. What did that game mean last week when the Bulls defeated Rice in the conference opener? Yeah, I thought it was, it was huge. Obviously, it's been a number of years since we've been able to, to win the conference opener and, and to just have a chance to see your name at the top of the conference standings is, is, is validating. But uh, that's only one of eight, right? And we, we know we got to keep uh, moving forward. But, uh, but you're right, to have a chance to – we had so many things, uh, a handful of things that went wrong in the game last, last week that uh, could have uh, allowed us to fold. But uh, they rallied back and really went on to a, to a really explosive second half to put that game away quite convincingly. So really proud of the Bulls. Hope they'll come back with that same sort of focus and effort today and, and throughout the season. Looking around the department, we, we do it every week, but we got to give volleyball another pat on the back. They are on their way towards sweeping UAB. They already hold one win. They're playing again today. They have won the first set. They're up 18-7 to in the second set over the Blazers. Of course, that is a, a conference matchup now. What has been the secret to the turnaround there with this volleyball program so far this year? Well, I think it's been good good patience to, to allow Jolene uh, Shepardson to be able to have a couple years under belt. Again, her first year was COVID. She was just getting the grips on it. She's been able to get a handful of uh, recruiting classes in place. She's got some really cool additions to her staff this year led by uh, uh, Vesoto, one of the most heralded players out of uh, Brazil, so it's uh, imposing now to have Jolene and Vesoto walk into a gym. Uh, we're very noticeable, but basically the talent that we've acquired, the depth that we've been able to acquire, because we've got some injuries right now, but to have our young women step up next and still continue to perform and hopefully uh, finish off this match today and get all the way, I think, what, to 4-1 and one in the conference to kind of seize the lead in the, uh, in the Eastern Division. And basketball, both teams have begun practice and uh, Boy, once the Bulls fans get a chance to see both the men's and women's team, I think they're going to be shocked at the athleticism of both of those teams. Just watching them in practice this week was really impressive. I agree with you, Jim. I saw you out there at practice, and it sounds like you came came away with it the same way I did, just a, a, just a, a new level of uh, speed on both of them, the athleticism, the, the physicality. It was uh, 
really impressive. So uh, very encouraging. And, and, and as you know, we just released our both our schedule, conference schedules in recent weeks. And so people can start planning accordingly for a great winter and a, an exciting winter full of uh, men's and women's basketball. Tickets, 1-800-GO-BULLS. You got both head coaches making phone calls. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, you know what? That means a lot to us and means a lot to me. And it just go, goes to show, I think, our coaching staff from top to bottom of all sports are just bought into this university. They know the vision that we've got and the focus that we've got to come to the tops of comprehensive excellence throughout the American and to challenge for national championships. And even when you mentioned uh, golf, now moving all the way up to 27th, the first day I was here five years ago, I talked to... Erica Brennan on the phone, we were 165th or something, and now to be to see that that program, yet another example of, of, of uh, just great trajectory. Michael, thanks. Enjoy the game today. All right, go Bulls. Michael Kelly, Vice President of Athletics, the Bulls and Navy going through warm-ups. Bulls have just come out of the tunnel, gold pants, gold helmets, and white jerseys for South Florida today. Pre-game show continues after this on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Just about 35 minutes away from kickoff in Annapolis as South Florida gets ready to take on Navy, an American conference play. Navy is 0-1 so far this season in the league. The Bulls, of course, 1-0 after last week's victory over Rice. Well, Bulls fans, tickets remain for the next three conference home games. Call 1-800-GO-BULLS or visit Ticketmaster.com to secure those tickets. We're talking about Florida Atlantic, Temple, and Charlotte. We're going to uh, get you back up to Annapolis right now. Sam and Joey are going to sit down. We're going to find out what Sam's thinking. But, Joey, take it away. Always the highlight of my week, Jim, to figure out what Sam is thinking. <laughs> Sam, we hear a lot, uh, not just in football, but in life, about stacking days, stacking days. That's how you become a successful person or a player. So the Bulls stacked a good one last week. What's the key to them stacking another good one today? Yeah, great thing. I mean, just overall a great concept, right, for life in general. And it's it's crazy because when, you, when you're out, obviously, attempting to stack days, it's not always up to you. You know, sometimes things got to go your way. And, and I think USF has been on the receiving end of good things happening over the past two weeks. So I think beyond anything, you got to control what you can control and just make sure whatever it is that you have control over, you do it to the best of your ability. And I think for USF today, that's playing assignment football and being a disciplined team against one of the more disciplined teams in the country. What do you make of Byron Brown, not just as a player, but the way this young kid just turned 19 is going about sure. his life and his business? Yeah, you know what? Uh, a lot of people like to use the term potential when looking towards the future. And I've become more familiar with the concept uh, of trajectory, right? And the reason why trajectory is so important to me is because trajectory, it, it talks about, I'm sorry, trajectory, it talks about potential right but it's all about the actual momentum of the moving object and so as long as you mo maintain that momentum while you're going in a certain direction you'll end up you know wherever it is that you want to end up and so I think Byron Brown has momentum because he has the right mentality and I think you know as long as he continues going in this direction he's going to be a guy a lot of people will be proud to associate with the University of South Florida I mean doing these things at his age we've seen it in college football and so when those guys you know age and mature you know sky's the limit for those type of guys and Byron Brown he can continue to keep himself in that conversation he has the right attitude and and that's one of the most important qualities for a quarterback actually defensively we know how hard it's been for the Bulls to get sacks and tackles for losses the last few years now they seem to be coming in bunches and we heard Nick Saban a couple weeks ago say 
that USF had about as exotic a blitz package as they'll see all year. Clearly, Todd Orlando's making an impact with how he's devising this defense. What do you see with his ability to kind of get guys free to, to create havoc? Yeah, I think what it comes down to is everybody just, again, playing assignment football. I had an opportunity to talk to one of the older guys on the defense alignment. He said, Sam, the thing that's different about this season as opposed to last year is guys are playing unselfish football. Nobody cares how much tackles each guy has. Nobody cares about the stats. Everybody just wants to win and make the guy next to him proud. And so I think when you establish that type of culture amongst any unit, you're going to see success. And I think that's what's contributing to USF success on defense and in the front seven more than anything. And one last thing, you mentioned it earlier, discipline. That's going to be a big key today. Navy is known for its discipline. How does USF impose its discipline on Navy today? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think if it's if discipline is one of those things you impose. I just think you just have to have it. And as so long as you have it and it's present, I think it's one of those things that work out for you. So beyond anything, they just have to, you know, act like they've been there before and recognize the importance of this game. I mean, I've never played in this stadium, but the opportunity to come here to Annapolis and play in such a historic environment, right, um, amongst, you know, peers that you know serve our country and who will continue to go on and serve our country you know it's a compliment in itself so you just have to relish that opportunity and just go out and put your best product on the field guys my soul once again is refreshed now that i finally know <laughs> what you, sam is thinking back to you guys bulls fans are 2023-24 usf bulls men's and women's basketball schedules are now out you can get your season tickets and group tickets now by calling 1-800-GO-BULLS today a lot of talk about Todd Orlando and being able to get to the quarterback. Here's the defensive coordinator sitting down with Derek Sharp. Of course, we'll talk about the Navy offense, but let's talk about the defense from last week. Coach, it got going there in the, in the second half, and I know the, the big focus against Rice was getting off the field because of the possessions and this, that, and the other, but it's not like these were easy plays for the most part. They were hitting that quarterback had a little bit to do with it, and his receivers, by the way. Yeah, I, you know, obviously disappointed in the way that we, our pass defense was, and a lot of the things very correctable, but a lot of things just end up making plays, and uh, I felt like if we could have given our guys up front just a, like one more second, uh, I thought we would be able to get to them. So we got to sure it up. You know, we get a situation where you really have to turn the page and uh, and move forward because we're going to, you know, see see triple coming up. So, um, but I think if you asked our players how they felt about our performance, I think you know there's a ton of things that I could have done better play calling wise, and there's uh, just finishing some plays. Uh, I know our players would say it. And yet it wasn't a small thing that, you know, they missed two field goals in the first half, but part of that was pushing them back. They got down to the three-yard line. You had the two TFL. Yeah. So even when it wasn't perfect, you had those moments, right? Yeah, I, I give the guys a ton of credit because they continue to play hard and physical. And, I, you know, I, I told them, I said, man, if you keep doing that, I promise you we'll, we'll get this thing righted. And um, they believe in that. They train that way. Um, um, but we still have to work on our execution, and then we still got to work on finishing plays. So that's uh, that was the point of emphasis, you know, on Monday when we saw them, and we'll continue to get better. A couple moments in the game where you had a couple of great members of your secondary, Day Day, Jalen, get injured. I want to go through that situation from the coaching perspective. When you have someone go down, you can't really focus on them. You have to concentrate on the next man. So what's that process like? Part one, and then part two. What was your reaction when they came back so quickly? Well, the reaction to it is like <clears throat> when you've been in this game your whole life, you you can kind of tell what the injury is. So I, I know this personally. We're all human beings. So when you see Day Day down, 
you first thing you check off to see if he's okay. So, I mean, football's done at that point. You want to make sure that he's fine. So you kind of measure the way he's laying on the ground and the things that go along with that position. But once you see he's okay, then the plan goes into place. So those are things that we talk about on Thursday and Friday before the game. We sit down as a staff. We say, this guy's going to be backing up this guy. We have a running depth chart, and we have to rep that in practice. So if we have to cross-train somebody to get in the game because we have a second injury, then they'll practice. So that part of it goes into simply, okay, in his situation, hey, James, what do we want to do? This guy goes in here. He's repped it before, and then we just keep going. So, But, uh, you know, surprised us a little bit. Uh, you know, that's a, a cool little thing when they sneak up behind you and say, hey, man, I'm ready to go. I say, okay, go. <laughs> you know. One thing, you mentioned practice. Uh, I know that Coach has been putting out the practice squad players of the week. I think it might have been Chris Thomas last yeah. week. Give me an idea because people think of practice squad in the NFL, and it's basically just a taxi squad. But for you guys, it's more than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's kind of a rite of passage. A lot of those guys are right on the fringe of being in the too deep. So we put them down there. Um, so they get work, so they're not sitting on the sidelines and getting three reps with us. They can get 25 versus mm-hmm. our offense. So all that stuff gets evaluated. So we'll literally put the tape on or them out in scout work. Um, but our QCs and our GAs, they'll evaluate the tape. And uh, and that goes a long way because um, when guys are playing hard, you want to reward them. So mm-hmm. the first thing that you do with guys like that is see if, you know, as long as we're not burning their red shirt, or something like that, we put them on special teams. So I've uh, had that happen a ton of times where it might be a reserve linebacker, but he's going so hard and doing so much stuff that like he has earned the right to go on the field. Well, how do we get him on the field if he's really the sixth linebacker? Well, we put him on special teams and reward him that way. So we, we want everything like... You you go out there and you perform in practice and you're doing things at a high level. You need to get rewarded for it. So, you know, they get that the actual award itself, but they should get some playing time behind it. Love it. A moment and a player from last week that I want to recognize. The moment was the fourth down stop at midfield and the fact that Logan Berryhill had a decision to make and he stuck with the receiver, and that was the right move. How much discipline did that that take? Is that something you try and drill into the guys? Yeah, well, that's absolutely it. I I think – you get dirty eyes when you try to do too much and you try to um, try to make a play for yourself. But I think what these guys are starting to understand, if I just do my job, somebody else is going to get rewarded. But really, in essence, I'm getting rewarded, too, because a guy can get a sack and, and vice versa. If you're up front and you're pushing the pocket and you're making somebody throw a ball earlier than he wants to do and we can get an interception. And that's just, uh, you know not being selfish to be honest with you and all this stuff we're just trying to rewire a lot of things that go into the team aspect because if we do it as a team and execute as a team i think everybody's going to get some type of reward and i think sometimes lack of discipline being selfish you go outside the scheme then we all get hurt. So that's what we're continuing to work on. That's going to be a process all the way through. Incredible. And then one guy, you know, you look at all the TFLs and the sacks, and those tend to draw the attention. And I know he got a couple of each, but Jonathan Ross, to me, making sure tackles on that defensive line, he's a guy that has a great story. Yeah, he does, absolutely. But since I met him early on when we first got here, I just saw just such a humble, polite kid, um, but a super football sharp guy and then when we actually got a chance to to see him on the field he was tough and I always said to myself if like and he's a he's a really good athlete so you get you know fast tough and smart we we can make you now whatever you want to be you know but uh great story um one of the guys that I felt when we first got here 
that had our back. You know, I think him, like Cheney and Logan and all those guys, I, I thought like, hey, man, they, they sat back and said, hey, give this guy a chance. Give the staff a chance. Let's do exactly what they what they asked us to do and see where this goes. And, um, you know, just to have that relationship with that, those guys believing in us is like a, a big, big part of just the just kind of like in general with the team. And that's just not defensively. That's offensively. And I think that's why this thing is climbing the way it is, is because we got guys that are buying in. Awesome. And then last thing you mentioned, you know, doing your job and everybody else taking care of their own. Is that kind of the key against Navy? I know oh, yeah. they're throwing the ball more, but. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hate to sound cliche off of this, but, I mean, if there's one in triple option, I mean, you know, dive QB pitch, I mean, that's every almost every other snap, you know. So we've got to be incredibly disciplined. They're coming off of a, a, a bye week, too, so they've had time to prepare for us, so they're going to know what we're going to do. Um, they're physical. They're going to be fresh, and uh, they're, I, I'm really, really impressed with their, with their running backs and their fullback. I think they run as hard as anybody like I've seen in probably about a year. You know, just they don't stop. They contact. They churn their legs. They did it versus Notre Dame. We know what Notre Dame's about, and so it's impressive, and it'll be a dogfight. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you. Getting closer to kickoff next, Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston let you know how the Bulls plan to make victory possible, presented by USF Health. After that, head coach Alex Golish sits down with Jim Lauk. I'm Derek Sharp, and this is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Welcome back to the pregame show. Jim Lighthall with you inside our network studios at Amelie Arena. We'll get you back to Annapolis in just a second here. Joey Johnston's going to join us now for Making Victory Possible, which is presented by USF Health, ranked as the nation's fastest-rising medical school for research and primary care over the past decade by U.S. News and World Report. Kind of give you the keys to the game for the day. And, Joey, you're going to be up close and personal on the sideline for this one today. And when you start talking about uh, the Navy offense, obviously, as we as we heard with Todd Orlando a little bit ago, uh, you got to stop the run uh, with Navy. They're going to they're gonna go between the tackles. They're going to try and get to the perimeter. But this team is a little more willing to throw the football this year, which is a, which adds a wrinkle. Yeah, you're right. And actually speaking, first of all, of, of close, up close and personal, the, the march of the midshipmen is, is happening right in front of me. It's, it's just an awe-inspiring sight and part of the entire experience here. But you're right. When you play Navy, you got to stop the run because that's what they do well. That's what they've always done well. And they're going to they're going to mix in a pass or two, but your success is predicated on your ability to put them in bad down and distance situations and make them throw the ball because the way Navy just drives you crazy is controlling the clock and, and marching it down the field. And before you know it, you don't know what happened to you. You got beat. So the Bulls have to stop the run. You know, we talked about this earlier, but Navy is a team that doesn't beat themselves. When you start looking at penalties, it's not a fluke that they're in the top five in the country and fewest penalties again this year. They have done this. For about the last 15 years in a row, they're either number one, number two, number three in fewest penalties and fewest penalty yardage. Meanwhile, USF is in the bottom five this year in penalties. They're trying to get that under control, but, I mean, the way this game looks on paper, you have one call that goes one way or another could be the difference. Yeah, and it's no small thing. I mean, uh, you cannot uh, minimize the importance of, of keeping your penalties down. If you're getting up in the 80, 90, 100-yard penalty yardage range, I mean, just, you know, wipe that out from the rushing or the receiving and, and see where you are. I mean, these are actual real yards that are costing you during the game. So the Bulls have got to cut this in half, I think, 
to be able to have success today against Navy. Well, Navy likes to run the football, as we talked about, but the Bulls cannot afford to get behind. They don't want to play from behind against this bunch. Navy's won 65 straight games at home when leading after the third quarter. They haven't blown a lead after the third quarter since 1999, Joey. Yeah, they bring in Mariano Rivera, and it's done. I mean, it sounds like a baseball stat, actually, after leading up to the seventh inning. But, yeah, I can see where that would be a thing where once Navy imposes its will on you and imposes its game that uh, there is no way to catch up. But So you're right. The Bulls, at worst, have to trade blows with Navy and then strike in the fourth quarter. Ideally, get up on Navy and make them play catch up. But, you, but again, you, you cannot let them get any kind of, of advantage or tilt, tilt it in their direction in a significant way. Quick injury update for the fans at home. Lloyd Summerall, the Florida transfer, did not make the trip for this game today, and R.J. Perry will play left tackle for the Bulls up front in place of Donovan Jennings. Joey, thank you. I know you got the call of the game coming up with Sam coming up in just a few moments or so. We'll check back in with Joey later on as well. Jim Lauk sits down with head coach Alex Golish next. It's South Florida and Navy coming up at 332 on the South Florida Bulls radio network. Welcome back to Annapolis. It's the Bulls and Navy. Third time the Bulls have visited Navy, first time in four years. Getting close to kickoff, head coach Alex Golis joins us. Coach, I know last week's game is kind of ancient history, but it was a great win. And you've talked a lot about guys buying into the program, buying into the process. Sooner or later, you got to have dividends on something like that. Nothing better than a win. How big was that victory for the process of South Florida football? Man, I'm going to sound boring here when I say it, it was it was the next opportunity for us to to get better, and um, certainly easier to coach after a win. Uh, but I was I was excited with the way we finished. I was excited with the way the second half panned out. It was really, really positive to see us clicking on offense and and respond from some from some negative things that happened and just continue to hammer away and hammer away and hammer away. So I was really I was really pleased. I don't think it means anything more or less than the end result was was positive in our favor. Go back to that sequence of the fumble and then the big pass play for Rice. That can sink some teams, and your guys just kind of buckled up and turned it around from there. That had to be kind of satisfying to see. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it was really, really monumental um, for us as a team, and you talk about as a program. Man, like fumble it on the one, very next play, and explosive the other way for a touchdown. It's a 14-point swing. It, It usually ends the game for for you but to see what happened after that um where where the offense then goes and scores on three consecutive drives and and the defense holds you know gave up one drive there at the very end but holds the rest of the game It, it shows resilience shows toughness shows mental toughness i think for a lot of the guys that hadn't played a ton of football, it tells a man, like, maybe this whole next play mentality coach is talking about really does work. On the Navy, and they're always difficult to deal with because they have such a unique offense. They're maybe not quite as complete and total triple option now, but they've got new wrinkles in. Might make it even harder to prepare on top of that. They've had 16 days off since their last game. So what kind of uh, difficulties do they provide in preparation for South Florida? Certainly have continued to expand and expand and expand what they have offensively. Each week has looked more and more 
um, opened up, I guess I would say. Um, so huge challenges. I think probably way more difficult than when it was true traditional triple, uh, which I know is the is the point of continuing to expand and grow. And and um, but no, certainly presents a, a bunch of challenges in terms of making sure that you're disciplined in in your responsibilities and the fact that that you can get some vertical pass game now makes you defend the entire playbook. And um, I think it'll be a huge test for our defense. What do the Bulls have to do well? Stop the run, obviously, but what are the specifics of shutting down this Navy attack? Like you said, start starts with stopping the run. The 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 discipline it takes that that triple option. There's three options on every play. You better make sure you've got it covered. And and there's elements of shifts and motions and formation changes. Then that's added to making sure that our eyes are right. So stopping the run is one. Two is is having the right eyes in in coverage in terms of the play action pass game that's where it'll get you and you better be right in terms of what you're looking at and and the time that you you don't get caught falling asleep back there the really third part of it is you got to get off the field and whether that's turnovers or fourth down stops they'll go for it on fourth um you certainly got to get off the field on third down as well but they'll go for it on fourth um they don't turn the football over because they they do as good a job as anybody in the country at securing the football. And you've got to absolutely find a way to get turnovers. If not, you're going to be limited possessions on offense. And that's a huge, huge deal, especially when you're slowed down. You're playing a team that's slowed down on offense. You get limited possessions on your offense, and, and we've got to create possessions. Maybe it's a cliche when you play service academies, but they're always disciplined. They don't give away turnovers. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't have a lot of penalties as well. The Bulls starting to make a little bit of progress, narrowing down the penalties, but I know that's something you're still working on. How big a factor is that potentially today? Yeah, I don't think it's a factor at all. Um, I think probably more so to write about that that we were high – highly penalized early in the year I think when you look at it we've gotten better every single week Um, the penalties that we can control we've gotten better every single week I think you're always going to have playing penalties we play we snap the ball once every you know however many 20 some seconds like you're going to have some of that Um, and I'm not saying it's okay but you just inherently are my concern is more the the post snap um, post whistle penalties the celebrations, the the stuff that you can control. And so that's been a huge point of emphasis. And I tell you, it's been addressed. And I'd like to say we've gotten better. Um, but the in-game penalties, I don't super stress. The past game, obviously, a lot of things came together for the Bulls last week. What was the difference with Byram finding Naeem and all the plays that, that hit big, the big splash plays that you've been trying to get uh, on the board for this team this year? Yeah, I think just the the consistency of those guys working together and the consistency of how Naeem works, how Byram works. Um, and a lot of credit to everybody else in terms of the O-line. Like, it felt like we were in sync. It looked like we were in sync um, where all of it kind of came together. That's, that's what offensive football is, is, is true chemistry and everybody being in sync at the same time. I, I You know, we've kind of been waiting for that to happen. Um, but you're talking about, those two guys in particular that have just continued to work through it and work through it and work through it. And Sean Atkins probably goes a little bit unnoticed, but he just continues to be steady Eddie and, and keeps moving the chains. But that's what this offense is. It, it, it needs guys that can create explosives. And last week, 
between the run game and the pass game, we were able to we were able to create some. Coach, thanks. It's always such a great atmosphere at Navy. Have a great afternoon and good luck today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Go Bulls.